Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everyone. It's Slaney. I'm releasing this Get Vocal live stream that I did. Now, I'm releasing it as a regular episode so that you have an opportunity to submit your entry where I will be drawing the name of the winner on my Get Vocal live stream on Thursday. Okay, on with the show. Okay, welcome to the Get Vocal stream. I am Lainey Hobbs. I am your host. I host the True Crime Fan Club podcast, and you are likely watching us here on the Get Vocal live stream or listening to us through the podcast feed. Now, today I have a very special guest with me. We are going to be discussing her latest book that is going to be released on August 28th. Um, it's called Into the Forest and All the Way Through. It's a collection of true crime poetry of missing and murdered women by Cynthia Pelayo. Right? All right. Awesome. Um, I've had a chance to look through it. I've had the, the copy for a while. Um, and I am excited for it to be released officially because I do think um, the poetry is incredible. My mom um, kind of got me into poetry, if you will. She's a poet herself. So um, I have a I have a great affinity for it, and I I love when people you know put out things like this from their heart because it takes a lot of imagination to be able to put yourself in that place, um, and it really kind of wears on your soul a little bit. So I I definitely appreciate the work you're doing for this, especially for um, you know the focus that you have, which is on missing and murdered women who are also people of color um, or minorities in general. So if you could give us a brief introduction about yourself, how you got started, where this book came from, et cetera. Sure. Well, hello everyone. Thank you for having me. My name is Cynthia Palayo. I'm an international Latino book award-winning author and an Elgin uh, award nominated poet. I write horror mystery uh, poetry and now I've been dabbling in true crime as well. This collection is something that I've been wanting to do for quite some time. I've done presentations on our obsession with, with true crime and true crime culture. I consume a lot of true crime. That's probably more, that definitely goes into the obsessive category. I'm just, I'm also, um, a um, doctoral candidate in psychology um, and business psychology. So I, I do study and diagnose like businesses and organizations and that a lot of de that deals with people and how people work together. So just like the 
human psychology also plays a big part into my fascination with this. So uh, it's something that I've been wanting to do for quite a long time. And I just felt like now was the right time to release this project. And it's it covers 109 cases um, and each state is represented. So there are a minimum, there's a minimum of one poem per case. Some states have uh, a couple more, um, two to probably three or four. And yeah, so I'm ready to just talk about it, uh, talk about some of my research uh, into these cases. Yeah, no, um, the first one I wanted to talk about, and it stood to me kind of immediately, um, I'm a native Texan, so um, cases in Texas are, you know, near and dear to my heart. It's, it's something I can easily focus on because it hits our news um, quite frequently, more so than other cases. Um, and one of the cases that has popped up in the media recently um, was about Vanessa Guillen, who went missing at Fort Hood and then was later found um, after being murdered by one of her, um, sadly, one of her counterparts in the military um, at Fort Hood. And Fort Hood kind of has a history, sad history of people of color and women going missing from Fort Hood. Um, and so I, I wanted to kind of pick your brain about this and, and wondering, because this is fairly recent, right? So was this kind of like a, a last addition to it when her story hit or like, how did it come to be in the book? It was a poem that I had just written, like just specifically for her. Mm -hmm. And it, and that's funny because that, that poem evolved over time because I'm writing and the case is ongoing. And the last edit was that, oh gosh, the, the news conference with her sister just mm -hmm. gutted me. And so I wanted to make people feel what I was feeling at that moment when I listened to her sister at the news conference. And nothing that I wrote was able to equate that. And so that's why I quoted her sister's words in, in there. Um, and then I also, the last two lines were once the um, her killers were caught. Um, and so it, it's something that evolved over time and I just felt like it was important. I had to include it. Um, it was, it, I mean, I, I, fell down a, I fell down a lot of rabbit holes with a lot of cases, but in particular with Fort Hood that, you, and I think it's a common theme throughout the collection that there are these things that we do every day, go to work, go take our children to school. They're very mm -hmm. everyday things that we do. Walking down the store to the grocery, Vanessa was at work. This yeah. is where she worked. This is where she lived. Where else are you supposed to feel safe? You're supposed to feel right. safe at work and at home. Um, and that's what I really wanted to communicate, that these people were charged with taking care of her and they didn't. Yeah. And it's an incredible poem. It it truly, um, I felt the same way when I saw her sister basically pleading for information, for help um, that the family wasn't receiving. And that truly, um, you know, what we felt, especially me, I'm Mexican. I don't go by Hispanic or anything like that. I'm just like, I'm Mexican. That's what I am. Um, in our community, you know, this is this is serious. And we were like, no, of course, nobody's going to take us seriously. I have a young niece who's considering... Um, going into the army and, and, and enlisting. And after this happened, I said, 
you know, I don't know that I want you to do this. I'm actually really scared for you because, you know, you hear things about the military, you know, things are swept under the rug, but this is something that should have never happened. You know, there, there are cameras, everything. I mean, there was no monitoring and no seriousness taken in her harassment claims, if you will. Um, and so it was really disappointing and it really frightened me, not just for myself, because I'm kind of away from it by watching it as a consumer, if you will, on, on TV. But when I think about my own family member, my own niece, who I've seen grow up since she was a child and come into this world, there's no way that I would ever knowingly be like, yeah, go and do this. Because while it may be a good opportunity, it is very scary after Vanessa Gaines' death. You know, and, and I, I don't think a lot of people think about that in that sense, because you think about um, patriotism and everything like that. But, you know, I think about her and every time I think about Vanessa, I think about her and it would destroy our family, you know, in the way that I can only imagine Vanessa's family feels destroyed. Right. And then yeah. just thinking to um, I'm not sure if it was in that interview uh, it was actually in the, it was in an interview after her body was recovered. Mm-hmm. Her sister said that her mother still hadn't been told. <laughs> like her mother was in bed and she was on sedatives because how can you function right. you know, as a mother knowing that your child is missing? And it just makes me emotional right now. Knowing that her sister was dealing with all of this knowing that they have recovered her body and very well knowing that her mother was suffering so much from it that she couldn't get out of bed and to know that was her job as a daughter to go tell your mother mom our beautiful sister the one that you birthed and you breastfed Mm -hmm. and that you took to school on the first day we found her mutilated remains buried in a pit yeah it's that's it's harsh and the poetry is brutal And I make the reader come up to these very awful things because these awful things are happening to people. And regardless of, regardless of your, any affiliation, political affiliation, religious affiliation, that does not matter. These are human beings. Sorry. (laughs) The puppy agreed with me. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's something that we can all, agree with regardless of our positions regardless of our statuses that these are people that were loved and that were here and that are no longer here because at one point somebody deemed that they had power over them to dispose of them yeah absolutely I, I totally agree with that um now how did you come to select the cases because there are a lot of cases that you've chosen from and I was wondering how you made the determination of how those are going to be, you know, how you pick which ones are going to be in the um, book. That was hard because I, I, every time I would pass on a case, I felt like I was ignoring another woman whose case had been ignored for so long. So that was something that I struggled with internally for a long time because I knew that I wanted to include their names. I, I knew that that was important. I knew that their name, date of missing, their race, their, their race was very important, but I included mm-hmm. that um, as well. I, I can talk about that later, but um, uh, as well as an investigating agency phone number, because then I felt, okay, I'm going to talk about these women. And then what? You no. Know, so I thought that was important to track down these phone numbers and include that as well. 
uh, as I started writing, I had to organize myself pretty quickly um, just because you can get kind of get lost. And I, so yeah. did I, would I do only missing women? Would I do only murdered women? Would I do children? Would I do young women, uh, adults? And so I made a point that I would be as balanced as I could, but if I felt an emotional pull to these cases, I, I felt like there was something in my gut that would go with them. I wanted to do, that's why I thought that selecting one case per state was important because then anybody can see that this is a wide ranging problem. It's not just to like a specific region or theory in their city. I live in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and this is, uh, I, I also wanted to make sure, so I mean, there are cases that are very rural communities or cases from reservations or cases from big cities, um, you know, wealthy suburbs. So I wanted to be able to include that range. I also wanted to include a range of ages from, I have days old to I believe the oldest case is 75. Mm -hmm. I also didn't want them to be so cold case that people didn't feel a sense of urgency behind this. So I believe the oldest case might be like 1970, in the early 70s. Yeah. So uh, I, the range of disappearances, like uh, people going to work, people, uh, domestic abuse, um, was hinted at there. Serial killers were covered and just possibilities that people actually got lost <laughs> in forests yeah. uh, or rivers or, um, you know, accidentally any disappeared. Exactly. So mm -hmm. I didn't, I wanted it to be this range. And one of the most terrifying poems that I wrote um, was one that was just like 29 words and it was. Uh, I am on my way. I'm trying to look for the words, but it's like, I am on my way. And it was a case where the young woman was getting off the bus and she was mm -hmm. texting somebody. I am going to the bus. I'm going to get off the bus. I am almost there. And the, from the point of the bus stop to that person's house where she was going was half a block. So in half oh, a wow. block, a person went missing. So I wanted to also make a commentary oh the messaging you one yeah messaging you yeah where i wanted to make a, a commentary where it's like how safe are we when someone can go missing um, this is a lachey monet dinoco dundee like how safe are we when a young woman can go missing in the daylight from a bus stop on the block that's that makes no sense to me like um would you mind reading that one to us? Because it is really, really powerful. Um, I came across that one in the way that you describe it now, because I didn't get a chance to like look up everything. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, I earmarked it or highlighted it in my PDF and everything. But if you don't mind, um, sure. we are yeah. just so you guys know, the book is going to be published on the 28th. Um, and I will be sending a free copy to a lucky listener today. So if, or not today, but whenever it's released. So if you guys pay attention towards the end, I will tell you kind of the word you need to use in, um, the giveaway to make sure that you're entered for it. Sure. So it is, um, messaging you. I am on my way. I will see you soon. I'm taking the bus. I am on the bus. I got off the bus walking almost there I am. So it's probably one of the shortest poems. 
and it's just ends mid-sentence as she was texting somebody because that's yeah. how quickly she disappeared it's insane to me truly how things like that happen um because it does i mean we are fortunate in the true crime community that we get this foresight you know with the cases that we cover we get to see how people became victims of crimes mm-hmm. um and it's not always by circumstance like most people think missing and murdered people um i, I look at my friend marissa she hosts the vanish podcast and mm-hmm. she often gets very depending on who the person is on who the missing person is um varying emails of whether or not this person deserves to be found or deserves to have a case because they you know engaged in illegal activity either sex work or drugs or you know they were in a domestic violence situation um more so than somebody who say was you know a happy mom of five who just happened you know to get abducted one day and had no like criminal history or no you know red marks on their case of life if you will mm-hmm. um and and it's astounding to me because i'm like it doesn't matter that somebody is on drugs they are still a person and they still went missing and they're they still belong to a family right. um so it, it's it's kind of interesting and what would you do i guess if you got that type of feedback with any of the cases that you put into this book it's funny because one of the poems actually addresses that uh <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, "Discard the Words," uh-huh. and it's um, my. It, it's about a, a woman named Audrey Lynn Harris, and uh, it was my commentary on those words: high risk lifestyle. Oh yeah, I feel like that then gives license that says it's okay that this person was killed by a person because of their lifestyle and i think Mm -hmm. that i think that should make us terrified that we are okay that someone killed somebody because of whatever lifestyle that they live that tells me then that they're still a killer walking around so if Mm -hmm. they're capable of killing this person in this particular circumstance how do you know that they're not capable of picking up your child on their way to school or picking you up getting out of target or I don't know getting angrier at your husband at a bar so it doesn't matter what uh, and I think my commentary on like sex work or whatnot um it does it doesn't just it just doesn't justify mm-hmm. human being nothing justifies somebody being taken by someone they don't know being violated and you know, and that's sexual deviancy, and that's a huge. There's a huge discussion about sexual deviancy, and then being discarded and forgotten about and ignored by. I'm not going to say all law enforcement, but ignored by some law enforcement who then, you you know, law enforcement's overwhelmed. They're yeah. overwhelmed with cases, and so there might be some bias that somebody might have, and that's scary because. Yeah. That also happens. Then where does the bias start bleeding into? Will it bleed into your 16-year-old runaway daughter that they're not going right. to look her because she's 16 and beautiful and she maybe she went out with friends for the night? So I think we need to not be okay with <laughs> with, with any of this because no, then, I agree. Start and stop point. Yeah. 
Because I, that's so true. When you hear, um, again, going back to the vanish, when you hear these families coming on and saying, I went to the police and either because of their lifestyle or because of how they, you know, looked or acted in their past, they're like, oh, they'll probably be back tomorrow, you know, or it's a teenager, of course. And I'm like, sure, teenagers run away. Of course, it happens. But they should still be searched for. Yes. You know, it's not like, oh, well, he, this one time. Um, I always used the story of my brother to kind of prove this point where I'm like, my brother had been in so many accidents in his life that he literally had <laughs> rolled a car over and walked out and it was fine. And then the last time um, he chose to drink and drive and we got a call saying like, hey, he's, you know, in the hospital. Me and my older brother are sitting here like, oh my God, he'll be fine. Like he's gotten his throat slashed. He's rolled a car over. He's done all these things. Like he will be okay. And we didn't think anything of it until, you know, our mom tells us that, no, he's gone. You know, like he's brain dead and that's it. And so you're just like, I mean, you're in shock, but it's, it's pretty much the same thing because you're, you don't take it seriously because it's happened so many times before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, would it have changed anything? No, for us, you know, but in retrospect, we should have been more cautious and aware when we got that phone call to be like, okay, something serious is happening. You know, Mm -hmm. before we were like, ah, whatever. Um, you know, it's scary every time, but then once you realize they're fine, you're like, oh, okay, whoo, no big deal. Um, and, and maybe that's the relief that parents, whenever they do discover their kids um, or finally, you know, find them, get that relief and maybe may not worry as much the next time. I have no idea. I'm not a parent. So yeah. I don't know what that's like to have a constant, you know, runaway or anything like that, but I would still want my kid searched for no matter what. And if I'm telling you as a parent that this is not normal behavior for my child, then I need you to trust me and, you know, do what you can to help find them. Right. No, I, I, you know, it's children are still children (laughs) and, 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 you know, the, the laws or the, the policies on X number of hours that you put in, you know, uh, you know, the, the search for an individual, I feel like it varies from, it, it varies widely um, in, in some cases. And I think that, you know, something as simple as the Amber Alert, that, yeah. that has saved lives. Mm-hmm. We can make small changes um, in order to take care of one another because ultimately, you know, I look at it as, we're all here together. <laughs> We're all on this planet together. I think we can't be okay with ignoring other people because in that what, what then then what are we then at, at that right. in humanity? Like are we just we're just making these arbitrary decisions that, okay, well, that person's life doesn't matter. And then this person's life doesn't matter. Well, that person was working at a, as a stripper, so I'm not gonna go search for her. It's like, right, is that okay? Like, I just don't, I just don't want to live on a planet where it's okay to think that way. I think these are still people and they're still loved. And um, if we ignore these issues, then it can become very scary. And after I was searching the number of cases, it's a very scary thing to see. Absolutely. How many people have just even gone missing from their house? Like, 
this person was at their house or this person was at the job. Like I walked into the office and I know she was there because her purse was there, but her car is not you know, missing. What, what happened to her? And so this yeah. There's certainly a and and then again, these killers are out there, and somebody knows something, and they're living next door to us, and they're working with us, or they're living mm-hmm. with us. That's terrifying. That they're yeah. walking around with no conscious, and that they are okay <laughs> with doing these awful things. Yeah, I think the one that really kind of besides Vanessa's that stuck out to me. Um, I think about this case quite a lot because um, I I hate the term missing white girl syndrome, but that I mean, that's kind of well known within the true crime community. But it's basically, you know, any person who isn't Caucasian is going to have, um, you know, all of the the force of the police, like helping them and looking for them and making sure that they're OK. But the poem you did on Relisha Rudd. I think about that case a lot and it's so, so sad. And to me, it seemed very solvable if they had done a better job in the investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you did such a phenomenal job putting me there. And it really broke my heart, honestly, um, thinking about that because it's just like this little girl is so vulnerable and she's probably the most vulnerable because she's in a homeless shelter where there's not really a place to run. You know, like if you're at home, you have your room to go to or you have your mother there and you two are in your own little world and protected. But in a shelter, it's kind of, you know, a doggy dog world. It's like you're protecting your stuff and making sure that you're OK and that's it. And nobody's looking out really for anything. Um, and it, it's really devastating to to think that she had gone 30 days before she had been reported missing. Um, it's insane to me um, that that happened. And then of course, you know, the guy who who most people believe did do something to her, you know, ended up committing or completing suicide um, and then also murdering his wife. So, I mean, the signs point to him really. I know some people thought sex trafficking, et cetera, but the signs really pointed to, I think, the janitor who had worked in the homeless shelter. And ha- like I said earlier about poetry, it really kind of forces you to get into that mindset so that you can convey those emotions that you're wanting people to feel. Um, that's kind of how I approach my writing with the True Crime Fan Club is I want to put people in the room. I want you to envision this and I want you to see this. Um, not to not to make it, you know, glamorous or to be like, oh, my gosh, isn't this amazing? But to truly help you understand the fear, like to me, that's what the scariest part is, is the fact that I can imagine the fear of these people um, in their last moments. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm curious as to how um, because I, you mentioned earlier, you're a mother, yeah. how this case or how this particular poem may have affected you if at all oh gosh this one this one and then the st louis little Jane Doe. Well, oh gosh that one sad you that one was i mean i think with any child it's obviously sad and it's right it shouldn't happen you know right and there there are quite a there are a few young 
child cases in here. There's mm-hmm. one, you know, a case where there were little girls having a slumber party. And when the parents woke up in the morning, they found that the screen had been taken off the window and the daughter was missing, but the friend was still there. And so it, mm-hmm. it makes me terrified. It makes me that when every single, I am, I am completely paranoid. And I, as a consumer of true crime, I'm convinced everybody's a serial killer because <laughs> I really am because, you know, it's, it's a fair thought. It's, it's, it's a fair thought. A serial killer. And so my, my husband thinks it's hilarious because like, I don't trust anybody. I am not chatty at all. Like if I, you know, he, if I am at the store and someone strikes up and, I, and of course I'm from Chicago. So I live in a city where even though, Chicago's the slightly different than New York. New Yorkers are a little bit more cold than Chicagoans. We're we're Midwestern, so we're we're kind of chatty here. I don't talk to anybody. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know anybody. I don't trust anybody. I don't give anybody any type of information that kind of get, could let, be used yeah, that lets them really know who I am. Because mm-hmm. awful people out there. They're really awful people. And I think what this just consuming true crime and then invest, you know, in to write and, you know, I'm excited to talk to you because I'm sure you were able to pick up uh, as opposed to like, you know, my traditional readers in the horror community or mystery community, you're able to pick up on some, a lot of the little nuggets that I kind of scattered throughout with some of these clues or people in the true crime community might, might know, um, you know, I kind of dropped in Israel Keys's name in one of the cases because there's a, a suspicion that she was actually murdered by Israel Keys. Um, right. Small little things like that. And, um, you know, like in the Relisha Rudd case, I mentioned, you know, 42 gallon trash bags were were purchased by him before he died. And so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so just going back to the question, as a mother, I am terrified. I think that we need to be careful and take care of one another. And if something is weird, if you feel weird about something, it, you know, I, I I love, you know, the don't be don't feel like you have to be nice and pleasant. You know, if yeah, if someone like is, my favorite murder says, yeah, if someone is like, politeness. yeah, exactly. If someone is creeping you out, if someone is chatting with your child in the store, you have every right to be like, no, get the hell away from me. Get away. Mm-hmm. From me. I'm going to call the police. I, I love call, I call the police for everything. Like I will call the police. <laughs> If I hear like a noise that's too loud, like you have every right to protect yourself and to protect your family. And if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. So that's yeah. one thing that I definitely want to stress. Um, I think women are a little different today where we're maybe historically women were taught to be pleasant and to be nice mm-hmm. and to please. And I think we're a little bit better about teaching our daughters like you don't have to please anybody <laughs> you don't right. have to be, give anybody a hug you know you protect yourself and if you don't like the way that little boy's playing with you you or that your boyfriend's talking to you because some of these cases could have very well been boyfriends husbands lovers um people that were infatuated with them so nobody you don't owe space to anybody so right I think that's as a mother as a woman uh, protect yourself and don't be, you don't, I mean, if you offend somebody, oh, well, <laughs> if you, yeah. if you cross the street, if somebody's walking too close to you, oh, well, you don't owe anybody anything. And at the end of the day, right. if you're just overreacting or being paranoid, well, you're still going to go home and you're going to be okay. 
I'm going to pause the case right here so you can hear a word from our sponsors. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I agree with that. My mom and grandma are totally responsible for my paranoia because my grandma used to read detective magazines and she got too scared and stopped reading them. But then she, all she watches is like investigation discovery and same for my mom. Like my mom gave me my first, you know, true crime book and it blew my mind because I was like, these people exist. These people are real. I had no, I had no concept of that whatsoever that that was real, even though they had terrified me before saying that, you know, if you walk outside by yourself without permission or without anybody knowing somebody's going to take you, those that didn't correlate with me that those were the same people in these true crime books, right? Yeah. Um, your, mom, and then, your mom would tell you if you go outside, someone will take you. Oh my God. Yeah. My mom and grandma, uh, super, super Mexican. <laughs> I'm Puerto Rican. Yeah. So I think maybe it's a Latina thing because my mother was always like, if you go outside, someone's going to take you. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. It's like my friends could walk to school. And I mean, I lived super close to my elementary school. Like it was right up the street. I wouldn't, I'd be, I'd be passing by family members' homes. Yeah. Um, and it would still terrify the crap out of me. I'd be like, Oh my God, she, I couldn't go outside without my brothers accompanying me. And even then they were like, no, you can't go. Like I couldn't open the door, step on the porch without saying like, Hey, I'm opening the door. Yeah. And then they would be like, no, I'm not taking you. And I remember one time I snuck out of the apartment we were living in in Irving, which not a great idea <laughs> when I was younger. I snuck out of the apartment we were living in because my mom had gone out um, on a date, I think, and my brothers were there, supposed to be watching me, climbed out of the window, and I walked over to my friend's house, and we went to Sonic because they had like the sit-in booths and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, this is so great, and then I realized like, oh crap, it's so dark, and it's late, and I was so scared. Um that like I terrified myself thinking about it. I was like, oh, what an idiot. Like I was so stupid as a kid because I was just seeking this adventure. I don't know if my mom knows that she's in here. <laughs> so I'm okay. Obviously I lived, <laughs> but um, yeah, my brothers were too occupied doing something else. I was like, yes, um, to go. And it, it was a poor choice, you know, but I think we have that, that benefit now of doing true crime and knowing kind of what those signs are, knowing that it could it can happen literally anywhere. It does not matter that you are in a dark alley. You could be walking up your front door, you know, up your front steps to your door. And it could happen in broad daylight. We've we've seen videos published um of of a young lady, especially the one that I forgot her name, but the one case that comes to mind is she literally went down the street 10 minutes to, to Target mm -hmm. and was followed by somebody in Target. And she goes to put her stuff up. I think she was making something for her boyfriend or something. She goes to put stuff up in her car and she's abducted. Yeah. And they find her body after tracing her phone calls and things like that or pinging her phone. Um, 
you know, they end up finding her, but it's, it's something as simple as that. It's like, you have to really pay attention, you know, to your surroundings or you could easily become a victim just like anybody else. And, you know, heaven forbid anybody thinks anything in your past makes you unworthy <laughs> of being searched for. And, you know, it's, it wasn't her fault. And, no, no. And she so didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. And, you know, all we can do is think, well, if I'm in a position where I'm in a parking lot and I'm opening my trunk and I'm putting my bags and I notice someone is a little too close, drop your bags. Okay, mm -hmm. drop your bags and, you know, just, or take your bags and, and go to walk back in the store. It's these, right. these little things that, you know, you might look silly. Who cares? It's just you that's recognizing those things. Um, so it's these little things that I've kind of taken away from all of this, but it's, mm -hmm. and, and it's just, again, it's something so simple. She didn't do anything. And even if she did, even if she was, you know, out drinking or cut school and then mm -hmm. to the beach, nobody should be murdered <laughs> and yeah. brutalized for cutting school and going to the beach or having yeah. drinks with girlfriends. That makes sense. No, absolutely not. You should not be punished for living your life. Truly, it, it's it's absurd to me. Um, there was sorry another case that I was thinking about. Um, you had mentioned it earlier about one of the younger cases that you had, which is the three day old um, infant who went missing. Um, and I have a friend who is also doing a podcast on fetal abductions, and I don't understand them at all. Um, because they often do, you know, murder the mothers to be able to get the fetuses. And hopefully if they, if the baby survives, then they end up raising this child as we saw with Kamaya Mobley, um, who had been living this whole life, you know, outside of it. But I, I think those cases are probably the hardest ones because they have no definitive features whatsoever. Mm. Um, you know, for like a little baby, they kind of all look the same and it's, it's insane to me um that that happens but it, it brought back memories of one of the very first cases I did um for true crime fan club which was on Albert Fish yeah. very known prolific serial killer um way back in like the 30s 40s um in New York and he basically targeted ghettos if you will um boroughs and stuff where the Hispanic population was pretty high. The African-American population was pretty high and where they were mostly poor. And the reason that he did this was because he said in his confession that nobody would miss them, that they couldn't even afford a ransom. So they often, if, you know, if one of their children went missing, they would tell the police, but the police were like, well, you know, if you can offer a ransom and they couldn't, so they would kind of just give up and not search for their kids and they'd end up turning up to be victims or found later. Um, deceased. So I think about that. And I'm like, what makes it easy for these children to be taken? You know, like, is it their location, the proximity, the neighborhood that they're in? Why is it so, so easy? I guess I, I don't know it. You know, how do these people know that this is happening? Um, and that one still kind of boggles my mind about it that you know, you can give birth and take your baby home thinking everything's fine. And I can't even imagine the nightmare of walking into the nursery and your baby isn't there. It's, it's awful. And I mean, it's funny just talking about, um, 
you know, these types of cases that it, it didn't include her case, but Marlon Ochoa here in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that case. That was, I remember calling my mother every night while they were searching for her. And then um, it was a, Marlon was probably, how old was she? she was, I don't I think she was 19. She was really young, pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, she was lured with the offer of baby clothes. Yes, um, like they mostly are. Like they mostly are, and that, um, which is mm -hmm. bad because these are women that need things, right? Um, yeah. So a mother and her daughter assisted in, um, you know, suffocating Marlon and taking the baby, and the baby was uh, brain dead and later died, and Marlon's body was recovered and and yeah. in a garbage can here in Chicago. And that case just, I just remember just crying because I just couldn't, this beautiful girl, beautiful girl yeah. getting her high school and she had a little boy and, you know, it just makes you wonder about the, like, <laughs> and there is, there is no reasoning or even understanding some of these. Right. It, yeah, there is there is none. And I think that's one thing that I've slowly come to realize, like, oh, my gosh, how could how could Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, abduct these young men and right. do these things like that? And there's there is no logic at that point. That's. They're predators. They're mm -hmm. these people are monsters. And so if you think there's any reasoning with them, which is why I say if you see something that's strange you know, use your power, use your voice, get away from these people. Because if you get in a car with them, you're not coming back home. <laughs> you know, right. If they, you know, there was, I had, uh, when I was in my twenties, I was waiting for the bus to go to work. And I remember this guy pulled over and he opened his passenger door and he said, get in. And I used as, as colorful language as I could. And he got back in his car and I was like, okay, great. He's gone. No, he came back around then got out of his car and I ran into traffic because I, oh, I told myself I would rather get hit by a car and get killed here on the street than get taken by this guy and God knows what. Right. And so I ran into traffic and, you know, cars stopped and then the guy just got spooked and left. So, yeah. Um, you know, the problem isn't with that. In that case, the problem wasn't with me. The problem was with that person that thought, it, he could take you. Yeah, that he could take me. And so mm -hmm. how many women, how many women have similar stories? Right? Yeah. I'm sure a lot of a lot listening and a lot of our friends and mothers and sisters have very similar stories. So mm -hmm. how often do they get away with it? And yeah, I, I would think consistently. I had a former FBI agent who had the same experience, you know, and I'm like, it it literally these types of events do not choose you based off of who you are it truly is a random yeah. situation and it's scary um sorry if anybody is extra paranoid after this but yeah. it's helpful for you to understand and to be aware of your surroundings and i think that's the biggest message um that this book sends is to not only be aware for yourself but to also be aware for others mm -hmm. so that if you see something that's odd remember it or say something about it we always have that phrase, see something, say something. And oftentimes you have people who are sitting on information that they feel isn't valuable mm -hmm. or that the police already know about this. And you find out, you know, like two decades later that that would have helped crack the case open if they knew this like one minute detail. So to me, 
that's also what I got from this book is that there were opportunities for something to stop this. If somebody had seen something or know something, because more often than not, somebody does know something about these cases. Mm -hmm. Um, Either they participated or they know the person or they saw something that they think is irrelevant or they saw something that was weird and they're like, eh, or something like that. And if we were just more open without, without being concerned, if we were being accusatory or impolite, if you will, um, maybe we would have different outcomes. I, you did the, <laughs> a very popular case in the true crime community, the Murray Murray um, case. Um, she has, <laughs> her case is just marred with unfortunate drama um, that has nothing to do with her specifically, but just the people who investigate the um, the case. Um, but I loved the title because it's truly, it, it, it encapsulates what her case is about, which is all questions, no answers. No matter how hard we try, because there's so many theories abound about, did she just walk away from it all? Was she abducted? Did she walk into the woods and you know pass away in there? Did somebody help her get to Canada? Um, it died. My apologies. I know um, internet because my internet's gone that went down the other day too. So I was like, oh no, oh my God. So <laughs> I don't know what you heard about the Maura Murray thing. We're talking about Maura Murray. And I didn't include I included just like a few of these like high profile true crime cases. For the a lot of cases I felt I tried to be more low profile, but there were some that were just like I, I, the ones that are really high profile, I talked about them because it's like there's so much light shot, shot, you know, showing on these cases. Why, yeah. why is that? And so I kind of made, you know, this attorney, which that case is completely bizarre. And oh my gosh, the stepfather was just recently, thank goodness, because that creep, he's been <laughs> arrested. Oh gosh, it's just yeah. arrogance, you know, over the years and in interviews and commentary. I'm like, how is this, how is this guy walking free? Yeah. Clear as day that he was involved. He did it. Oh. Yes. His daughter, um, Sarah Turney, did it or hosts a podcast about it. Um, Voices for Justice, okay. I believe. Yes. Um, and I always get it mixed up with another podcast called Voices Victims, the Voices of the Victims. So I think it's Voices for Justice. Um, but we've been following her journey since before she started her podcast and she came on to um, she came to our true crime podcast festival, basically as a day one podcaster who was, you know, not sure she was going to get any support, but we all rallied behind her. And when she announced that her father had been arrested um, in suspicion of, you know, the murder of her sister, which to us, it's, totally clear because she has such a different perspective than anybody who's investigated this case. She was there um, and she can attest to his conduct and his extremely odd behavior and the videos that she has access to um, because, you know, the Phoenix police didn't give it to her or they didn't take it into evidence. It's insane. And you can see how predatory he is towards her. And it's, it's disgusting. And you wish that more, some more people wouldn't have been afraid of him. To to do something or say something about what happened, right? Yeah, I'm I'm so glad. I I was wrapping up the collection once it was announced that he was caught or arrested. I was like twenty, almost twenty years. Yeah, like 
thank goodness that um you know she you know her sister continued fighting for her for her yeah didn't let anything come in in the way of that and she's going to be a great victim's advocate in the future for other cases too i think that's her plan is to continue to to do that for other cases and other people um because she knows you know exactly what it's like to have somebody go missing out of the blue in your life and then just manipulate you afterwards right oh yeah yeah she was in the boat that her dad didn't do anything that he was he didn't commit the crime and he had convinced her essentially that you know these people were crazy and of course Alyssa ran away um and then she got to look at everything kind of through a different lens after she was interrogated about her father with the whole explosive situation and finally kind of had that that moment where she was like holy shit like he did do this right that that i can't even imagine what and she still doesn't really recall any of that interrogation she hears it on the tape and is like oh my god i i don't remember this i'm like it's your trauma response dude it's like you're used to blocking out yeah. things like that because that's just the response you have to it like that's how your brain's protecting you okay. it's insane Awful. it's incredible um well we're wrapping up close to our time so i'm going to give everybody what they want so again the book comes out on September 28th. Oh, sorry. It's actually out. (laughs) Oh, is it? Yeah, it is actually out. Wait, did it come out August 28th? Yes, yes, August 28th. Okay, that's my bad. My bad, guys. (laughs) She's like, hold on. Okay, sorry. I still forget we're not in September. I don't know. It's quarantine, my friends. No. Let's just pretend that I said it's already out August 28th. Sorry, I forgot. I thought it was, I don't know. Time, it happens. I'm so time sorry. Knows, time knows no meaning right now. So- <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm seriously, I was like, this is perfect timing. Great. The 28th. Okay, well, it's out. So now I don't have to wait. So <laughs> um, so if you guys um, want to enter into the pod or into the drawing for the book, all you have to do is send me a DM or an email, email to my email address. Everybody should know it by now. Um, but it's tcfcpod at gmail.com. And all you need to include in the title is into the forest so that I know you listened to this part. If you include book and blah, 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 you're not entered into the forest is what you need to put in the subject line. And then I will announce it for the next, um, get vocal live stream. And then I'll have it sent to you and everything. And so you can get a copy of it and it's really great writing for me it puts me there so I hope that it does the same for anybody else who decides to pick up the book I'm also going to include the link in the show notes so everybody um, if you can't wait for it or you don't want to risk the drawing you are so welcome to buy it Um, and like I said it's incredible you will have a lot of content to read and it'll also give you an opportunity to look into these cases that you may have never heard of and help bring awareness to them by sharing you know, their stories on your social media or, you know, asking your pod favorite podcasters who do shows like this to cover them on their, <laughs> goodness gracious, to cover them on their podcast. There's a lot of advocacy work that just as a listener of a podcast that you can do to help bring these stories to light. So I hope that you guys take that opportunity to do that. Um, probably don't have a lot of time for questions, but if anybody does have any, feel free to um, hop on 
and ask your question or type it in the chat while we have some time. Um, but Sina, is there anything else you want to add kind of closing um, about the book or what you're hoping people get from the book? I please read the names. I, you know, read the names. I think that's very important to me that their names are known. If you see something, if you heard a story from long ago that you think can be a clue, can be some insight, I mean, call in a tip line. It, it, mm -hmm. takes, it takes seconds, it takes minutes. You never know what valuable information that you may be sitting on. And these people were here and they were beautiful and they were loved. And many of these parents died never knowing what happened to their daughters. Many of these parents um, are in their you know, last few years. And I think the greatest gift that we can give them is some um, resolution. Closure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not closure? I guess. Closure is to know that tell them what happened to their, their daughters and their mm -hmm. family members. Um, and please stay safe. Please stay vigilant protect yourselves and take care of one another. For sure. Um, we do have a question. It asked if you will be translating this book into Spanish. That's a great question. I don't know yet. I will find out. <laughs> <laughs> it might, yeah, it might work out. It might work out. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Another question from Facebook is, have you decided to create a part two to this or another series on true crime poetry? Yes. <clears throat> there's, you heard it here. There's some folks that will likely be out 2021. That I awesome. I have this another, it's it'll be in the true crime continuation. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. I can't wait for that because I already love this book. So, and I'm excited for whoever's going to win it because I, I truly think you are going to um, thoroughly enjoy reading it and really get a lot from it um, from a true crime perspective, because a lot of our listeners really do care about the stories they read about. They're not just consumers for, you know, for fun. They truly want to do something about it and they want to be advocates. So I hope that this helps them kind of find something you know, maybe a story sticks with them or a poem sticks with them and they decide to look it up and are like, yes, I want to help. How can I? And do that. Um, that's how a lot of these cases have started is because somebody found something interesting and decided to, you know, go the extra mile to get that person's name out. So you could be doing a lot of, you know, making a lot of difference in somebody's life if you just, you know, help put the word out for their family members who are missing. Um, I want to thank you, Sina, for coming on. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I love having authors on to talk about their work, especially when it's focused on things like this. Um, in the true crime community, you don't see a lot of creators of color from, you know, what am I saying? Um, <laughs> they're not really well noticed, if you will, or well known as well as other creators are that are bigger in the um, genre. Um, and there's been a big push lately to to push those voices forward and to um, make sure that they are recognized. And so I hope that that does this for this case or this um, show as well, that we're able to help highlight other creators of color and other women of color in this podcast sphere. And so if you're interested 
and um, looking at Cena's book or reviewing Cena's book, please get in contact and we can make sure that you do that so that you can share this book with your audience. Um, and feel free to hit me up, everybody. Follow me, social media, whatever. And then, Sina, where can people find you? Find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Sina, C-I-N-A-P-E-L-A-Y-O. My website is the same, SinaPalayo.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Sina Palayo author. Yes. So that's where you can find me, Twitter, Instagram, or my email. And feel free to follow me on Twitter. Um, I tweet a lot about <laughs> true crime, horror, mystery. So. I love that you do horror too. I was like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's another favorite genre of mine. Well, everybody, thank you again for tuning in to True Crime Thursday with Lainey on the Get Vocal platform. I had a wonderful guest, Sina Belayo, who just not re- did not just release her book. It was released August 28th of this year. It's called Into the Forest and All the Way Through, a collection of true crime poetry of missing and murdered women. I highly recommend you check Amazon. Um, is it also, um, I also try to promote local booksellers. Um, so is it published anywhere else besides Amazon? It will get on the indie, um, the indies website soon. So hopefully that will be Perfect. available because I do want to support indie booksellers. So. Awesome. So yes, just wherever you look for books, just search for it. Um, but you can, uh, like I said, I'll include the link for the Amazon purchase option if you would like to and I will also see if I can find it on the bookstore whichever one I use I always forget the name of it Um, and I'll also include that in the show link so that you can um, search for the book and buy the book if you just can't wait Um, I want to thank you Sina again for coming on I really appreciate it thank you so much this was no thanks it was so much forever like I feel like always goes anytime I talk for true crime I'm like it's the time goes by so fast okay fan club members As I conclude this episode, my one question to you is, how will you sleep tonight? Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate, subscribe, and positively review the show on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. You can find us on most social media platforms, Twitter at TCFCPod, Facebook.com slash TCFCPodcast. We're also on Instagram at True Crime Fan Club Pod. If you have an episode request, send us an email, tcfcpod at gmail.com. This episode was researched and written by Susie St. John. Content editing by Brittany Martinez. Produced by the best in the business, Nico at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com.